An officer's words are undoubtedly critical. Through them, the officer can communicate respect and understanding or contempt and disregard. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast hosted by myself, comedian Akin Omobitan, and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, the two of us pick apart peer-reviewed and published social science papers, and we squeeze them for their best bits so that you, the listeners, and now viewers as well, what's up, YouTube? Just waving to the camera there. Do not have to sift through pages and pages of academic literature, what's up, Dad, how's it going today? I'm feeling real good. I'm I'm feeling real good. Uh, The sun is shining. The weather is sweet. Nice. Well, we've got something heavy to share with listeners and viewers today, haven't we? Again, back to back, right? Beautiful uh... (laughs) piece of science here. Beautiful. I mean, just from a scientific perspective, I'm really excited about this. This is one of those moments when we're bringing new types of technology to science and It's all about, I'll read the title, it's language from police body camera footage shows racial disparities in officer respect. So that's a mouthful, but if I had to peel that apart, it's the words that police use as recorded by technology, these body cameras, is a way of examining how much racial disparity there is and how they treat people. Hot and topic. Hot it's, topic. It's a, I tell you what, this topic is so hot that they've got 83 different social scientists to work on this one. <laughs> Bear with us, listeners, because I just want to give everyone a shout out because they put a lot of hard work into this. So shout outs go to Rob Voigt, uh, Nicholas Camp, uh, Vino Kumar, Prahab Karan, I'm, I'm apologizing, uh, William Hamilton, uh, Rebecca Haiti, Camilla Griffith, uh, David uh, Jurgens, Dan Jurevsky, and Jennifer Eberhardt. Apologies, one and all, for all of the mispronunciations, but you know, that's your lot. Let's rock on with <laughs> that. <laughs> that's the <laughs> And this was published in the Proceedings from the National Association of Science. And it's worth throwing this out here. This work has really been validated by the scientific community. And this came out, I think in 2017, this came out, but it received in 2018, these two major prizes. One is the National Academy of Sciences Award for the top six papers of that entire year. It's reflecting outstanding scientific excellence and originality. So like right there, if you get one of those, that's almost like a career maker. And then it back-to-back received, uh, same year, the Society for Personality and Social Psych. It's the single best field experiment of that year. So, so this is like... It's big-time science. To, yeah, if you were to pick up like an Oscar and a BAFTA, in the, <laughs> like this is, <laughs> this is what we're talking about here, cleaning up at the award shows. Like Absolutely. when scientists pick up awards, do they, do they thank God or do they go into a... <laughs> Do they go into a deeper, they a deeper the little people. <laughs> I, w- I would like to thank God who I cannot prove nor disprove, but. <laughs> a good one. Oh, wowzers. So yeah, this okay. is like, like you mentioned, Dan, this is like pretty heavy because what this gang have done is so j- just to imagine this, like, so 
body cameras on police, it's still a relatively new thing. And it's in response to a lot of incidences, which I guess turned out into kind of your word versus mine, you know, witness accounts. So the solution to it just seemed to be, okay, then we just need to record incidents that take place. And then we have the eyewitness account, which is the camera, which is quite unusual how much, um, I guess, responsibility we're now putting onto tech because clearly we can't trust ourselves to tell the truth. So it's like, look, just put a body camera in there and we can stop with all the bickering. I'm really glad you brought that up. If I could jump in there really quick, Akin. I'm going to give it right back to you, but I actually think you just said something that is really worth me reiterating, which is it's not that we can't trust ourselves to tell the truth. We can't trust ourselves to see the truth. Mm. That's a really interesting thing. When they use these eyewitness accounts, you'll have five people that see the same thing and they see five different things Yep. because emotions run hot. And the way we perceive reality has a lot to do with our emotions, our expectations, our biases. So what's so powerful about this are two things. Number one is this is what dispassionate people who are blind to what actually went on think is happening there. That's number one. That's really important to validate it that way. Cause like this is a, a pretty real slice of reality. You got video and sound on what went on. That's number one. Number two is it's so cool how 15 years ago, people didn't have iPhones. They didn't have like built-in camcorders. So now whatever stuff goes down in the world, it's pretty much getting recorded. Like that's pretty much going viral. (laughs) So I think that there's a way that the police are almost preempting the fact that this shit's going to get recorded anyway. We may as well be the ones that owns it. Right? We should should copyright it and... (laughs) We're going to get the credit. Like when that goes viral, we want that... (laughs) We want our Twitter account bumping, right? We're trying to get some retweets. So, so what this comes down to, so they didn't just want to like, they didn't want to just watch the footage because they, they wanted to like learn from it. So they, what they did, and this is like, you can see why they had so many researchers on this because this is a huge project. This is massive. Like we're going to throw in some stats in terms of how much footage they kind of like went through. And so it's, it's key to note that what they were analyzing here was the respectfulness of police officer language. And they wanted to see whether this differs depending on whether the, the person being pulled over. And I say pulled over specifically because this was on, this, this was during routine traffic stops. And even me saying that, I imagine there's some listeners who are already feeling a bit like there ain't no such thing as a route. <laughs> stop. You stop me because of dot, dot, dot. Yeah, and it's a bit like, okay, but like when we look through this paper, it does, it does not even suggest, it does state that one in four Americans, and again, this is an American study. This is like Oakland, California, but like one in four individuals will get stopped by the police. So we're not, we're not questioning whether or not people are getting stopped. This question is about what happens after you get stopped. Everybody's getting stopped, but what happens after you get stopped? And this is where this study is really starting to get at what could possibly be solutions for us moving forward. Yeah, that's really nice. And, And part of why it's the solutions is it's showing how these low stress ordinary interactions. Like you said, it's one in four people that's having them, but it's also the case that like, this isn't a high speed car chase with drugs in the trunk. And it, it, I guess one in 10,000 might end up in that. This is just like you ran a light or you're going a little fast, you're getting pulled over. Like pretty much people are having this. 
And every one of those interactions is an opportunity. Mm. And it's an opportunity to either drive a wedge deeper and prove you can't trust the police if you're black yep. or a chance to repair and show yes. that they're, in, they're impartial, professional, respectful, unbiased. And unfortunately, what a study like this is showing is it's pretty biased. It's reliably, yep. predictably biased. Um, but that also is something that could be addressed. It starts to totally. show how the leverage of this could actually be quite high. So I, I'm, I'm really impressed. And if I had to just um, quickly, I, I think it's worth acting, if you don't mind, me very quickly saying what the three studies kind of did, just to get yep. it in like listeners and viewers' heads what it is we're going to be kind of totally. unpacking. Okay. We so should the first be doing that study, every episode, right? Like, well, we, we should. To. <laughs> <laughs> the theory would be, but I think we just get too excited. <laughs> Go for it, DC. <laughs> so, like, study one is they go out and they get, I think it's like about a thousand of these things. And then they have real human beings who are blind to what actually went on. They didn't know what race, they didn't know what gender, but they just looked at the utterances and then they rated it in terms of like these different respects, these different types of ways of looking at respect. And we'll say more about that in a little bit. And, um, and we're going to show what, but basically, Upshot is they agreed and blacks got different tre treated differently than whites. That's what that yeah. one shows. Study two, and this one gets really kind of cool. There's like 37,000 of these things that went on this year we're going to look at. You can't have humans like rating every single one of those. So what they and did- And these things, sorry, just, to, just yeah, for a sure, bit more clarity, sure. like the, these things uh, that Dan is mentioning, these are the the routine traffic stops. So like this is, this is how much mm -hmm. like- like footage that these That's people it. 183 are. hours of footage 36,738 usable utterances that's quite the binge this. watch, right? Like you imagine, <laughs> you like, really you imagine like when the participants, <laughs> like, you know, when, you know, when Netflix just like auto plays like a Naver episode or like after three hours of sitting on your backside, they're like, yo, you still watching? Like you, you, you still here? Like, <laughs> So, okay. What's so cool about this is they're basically using this linguistic analysis. They're using these linguistic um, uh, programs that go through and they predict basically how the interpretation would go of these utterances. And then they confirm those with the actual live humans. So they basically built AI models, I would, in the way I would put it. And then in study three, and this is maybe the most powerful thing, they take those AI models, which were kind of validated against real humans, and then they applied them to all the other ones. They basically used it as a way to unpack all of the data that happened in Oakland in that entire uh, month of April 2014 and look to see how the black versus the white community members were treated factually. So it's a, like, it's a tour de force. You know, I think I say that maybe too much, but I guess, I guess we're finding and covering articles that are very impressive and again, this is just an extremely impressive piece of work. So, okay. So yeah. what would you like yeah, to say? Yeah, let's backtrack. Let's backtrack okay. to, uh, to study one. So study one, essentially what they're looking at is the perceptions of officer treatment from language. Yep. And it, this is for me, this was such a great point with which to, to kick off because there were, there were so many like fascinating stats within this. But one of the mm -hmm. things that I mm -hmm. found really fascinating is that the officers were doing much more of the communicating than the person being pulled over. 
So the officer there, therefore, in my, in my, I guess, opinion, if I can throw that out already early, the officer, the officer has a, a higher level of responsibility to manage this situation. And so the, the verbal communications, the body language, the, the tone, like a lot of these things now can dictate the situation. And so they had regular folk like, you know, like me and like you to, to kind of listen back or sorry, like read these things. And what was really important here as well is that the people who were analyzing the, the, what kind of like became the building blocks of these, they were not aware of the race of the person being stopped or the officer. So they, they were blind to that information. So what they're doing is they're blindly looking at, let's say you're blindly looking at a transcript and then you're now saying, okay, now from the language that mm-hmm. the officer is being used, where does that rate in terms of like respectfulness, in terms of like politeness, friendliness, impartiality? Yep. Yeah. And so from that, you're able to say, okay, then uh, um, like in a general sense, what language can we deem to then say, okay, then this is like respectful, politeful, fair language. And what, language can we say is now disrespectful and maybe provocative or maybe um even dehumanizing you can say so, so um yeah so this is like what they were doing this without knowing the the race gender or age of the officer or the uh the civilian like okay. uh, i don't know what the, what do we call ourselves it is funny that you use that term because uh in the united states a lot of the the commentary right now is how the police force has been militarized. Yep. And in that sense, the non-police would be called civilians, I guess. Technically, the police are also c- civilians. Right? <laughs> I know. I know. But like when they're all gunned up and they have all that sort of power, it starts to seem like they're military, don't they? Yeah. Um, another thing I'm going to throw in here that, I, again, I'm impressed with from a science perspective is each utterance, each thing that an officer said, they had rated by at least 10 people who were just blind uh, to what was happening in this study. They were just literally just shown, this is what was said. You don't have to argue it. You don't have to dispute it. This is literally what was said. How did that seem to you? And um, one thing that really excites me about this is it fits into this thin slice literature. There's a whole research literature on how we as humans are able to fairly quickly detect things about other people just watching a couple of seconds so sometimes mm-hmm. in one set of studies, they'll look, he'll have people watch a professor for, not kidding, like 12 seconds, 10 yep. seconds. And yep. then they'll say, they'll rate them in terms of personality. And yep. they'll rate their personality not only in a way that they agree, the people rating, but that are actually true relative to what yes. the person him or herself says. And it's just one of these incredible things that we seem to be able to do. This is, this so, is like, yeah, this was like super dope. Um, and... So what, what they were able to do, and I just want to double check my notes here to make sure that I kind of like landing this correctly. So they were able to kind of group a lot of this language into, into two, two main buckets, you could say. And um, Dan and I can kind of like bounce back and forth on this, but it kind of came down to respect and formality. And if we just replace the word formality with professionalism. I think that's so. Right. Yep. You would expect every police officer to at the very least be 
professional. Like treat your job and no, no matter what your line of work is, you treat it like a professional. If you're a police officer, if you're a doctor, if you, if you are a, I don't know, a project manager or you friggin' you're a, a, a waiter, like you, you want to, you treat your job with professionalism. And then second on that line, you can say is the respect because there's several jobs where people, and this might be me kind of like, you know, uh, kind of leaping a bit off of the, the actual page itself. But from what I'm understanding of this, the, the value of respect is that it's not something that you have to give someone. But if you do choose to give someone respect and you couple that with professionalism, this seems to be the thing that seems to help mitigate the escalation mm-hmm of situations. Yeah. Um, it, is, is that, is that kind of like, uh, I think that's about right. And that certainly that's enough that we can move forward. <clears throat> you know, one of the things that I think I learned that isn't probably that important. I learned that over the course of every interaction, these things changed across the interaction. And like that one that you were just mm. talking about, like the formality one. Yep. Yes. That's professionalism, but it also has to do with like, over the course of the interaction, they found that like it became less formal as you were together five minutes, 10 minutes, but that doesn't mean that it became less professional necessarily. There were less sirs. There were less sort of like, um, social distance. As you get to know somebody, the social distance shrinks a little bit, but what they're showing again and again and again, and I'm I'm just going to go to the, the answer here is that there were very big difference between how black, um, and white drivers were treated yeah. across these different dimensions. And so and what this, they found, go ahead. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I was, yeah, yeah. Cause I was, was going to say like, cause I kind of feel like, <laughs> I kind of feel like I've been skirting around it a bit actually in this, in this episode, like to kind of like really cut to it, like, you know, the importance of this, like to really kind of like, you know, bring it home of what Dan and I are talking about here and what this study to really bring it home. Like what it's saying is that, everyone's likely to get stopped by the police. Like there's a likelihood, there's a one in four chance. If you're driving, you're going to get stopped by the police. That's like irrespective of, you know, uh, race, gender, age, like it's going to happen to people. So what we're really kind of really picking out here is to suggest that when white people are stopped by the police, there's likely going to be a, a higher level of respect when black people are stopped by the police, there's likely to be a lower level of respect. Now, in terms of formality and professionalism, both groups are getting that around an equal measure. But when you now approach a situation where Dan used the word opportunity earlier, the the opposite of opportunity, I suppose, is threat. So what's happening in terms of what I'm understanding is when when a police officer stops a black individual, this doesn't seem to be being treated with respect because it's not seen as an opportunity. It's not like an opportunity to like enforce the law. It seems to be seen as like a threat. And when black people are stopped by the police, that's not an opportunity. That feels like a threat because there seems to be this vicious cycle in which the hostility between police of all colors and black people it seems to be something where it's this ever increasing kind of like tension. And one of the big factors which seem to be influencing it is respect. Mm -hmm. And I I just wanted to really just like, really just like 
just put it out there because yeah. I kind of felt like I was skirting around it a bit there. But that seems to be the big factor. What level of respect are police giving individuals based on yes. their race? And when we can kind of like acknowledge that, yo, if you're black, you're going to receive a lesser degree. Yeah. Okay, then now, you know, where do we kind of like take this That's from true. here? So there's 26 million vehicle stops every year in the United States. That's 26 million opportunities to be respectful, polite, friendly, impartial, or in this case, 26 million opportunities to make race relations worse. And that's currently what we're doing. And it really bothers me in some ways that just yesterday you had the highest levels of government in the United States saying there aren't differences on average among how police officers treat black and white people. It's, it, 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 they're just sort of defying science. <laughs> like, yeah. This is something that not only has been published three years ago, but is like won all the best highest level awards. And they just choose to pretend there isn't a problem here. And that's why science is so powerful because it's like saying, well, do you have another way of getting at reality that's better than filming it and having the audio and the video? Probably not. Do you have a way that's better than getting people that have no idea black, white, um, utterances just rate them and they're less respectful and less polite no not so it's really just um how science can help us it can help us look at those statements of people saying there isn't a problem here and saying oh no there's definitely a problem let us show you exactly where it is 26 million times a year yep and like so anyway, i can't remember really i can't powerful Oh, I to- totally agree. And I can't remember the, the, who the quote, I can't remember who to give credit to for the quote, but the quote was something along the line of there are lies, damn lies, and there's statistics. <laughs> like, I, but like with this idea, it's like, if you, if you look on paper and then you say, okay, then, well, there can't be a problem because like everybody's getting stopped. But the issue isn't that everyone's getting stopped. The issue is now how are those individuals being treated when they're stopped. So it's very easy to get on stage and be like, yo, there ain't no problem, man. Because like, if you look at the numbers of this, if you look at the numbers of that, but it's, it's the treatment. And then what does that treatment then lead to? Um, and speaking of leading to, are we in study two yet? (laughs) Let me cut through it really quickly. I can, because I actually think study three is where the action is. If I had to say it really quickly, study two isn't really a study in this, in this normal way, because what they did is they essentially took this set of, principles for rating the respectfulness of these utterances um, that they sort of created and they use these computational linguistic models of respect and formality and then they tune them in to the 36,738 utterances using these linguistic theories of respect. They basically, another way to say it is they used statistics to model the, the respectfulness of that language and essentially were able to show that the computer could do this pretty well. In fact, the computer agreed with the humans about as much as the humans agreed with the humans. Yep. And that agreement was pretty respectable. It was pretty respectable. So essentially all you all need to know, listeners and viewers, is that they use some pretty complex um, <laughs> minority report type <laughs> analysis. <laughs> it gets show, a bit spooky, right? 
a little bit. I mean, a little bit spooky in the sense that we now have this linguistic text analysis stuff down to the point where it can judge what we do almost as well as we do. But you don't really need to know that because in study three, all you have to know is that even if you'd had humans do all these and not use the computer, the results would have been about the same. And so now what I think we can do is jump into study three that looks at all 37,000 of these things. Yeah. And and one of the things that's powerful, by the way, and I can, I know you already made uh, reference to this, but I want to say it again in this huge set of um, analyses, they were able to control out race, age, gender, officer, race, whether a search was conducted, the result of the stop, was it a warning, was it a citation, was it an arrest? And then they also, this is powerful, they included what's called a random intercept for officers. So that means like if the same officer had 44 of these arrests, they can net out what's called the officer effect. Um, So that also means they're able to identify about 40 assholes. (laughs) They they literally would say, now, like, these are the assholes that cause a lot of the problems, but even netting that out, there's still a huge problem. (laughs) And that's like, this is, this is like fascinating, right? Because this is, this is a problem. Like, you know, if you, you can, you can kind of like, you can blame politicians, you can blame the media, you can blame, um, you can blame a lot of stuff, essentially. But I feel like what we have been doing for a lot of time is trying to figure out who to blame. And that just seems to be this kind of like, hey, man, not all police officers are bad. Hey, man, not all black people are crooks. Hey, man, not all politicians are crooked. Hey, man, not all media agencies are like, you know, I don't know, some Illuminati, like bias. But like, you know what? We're going to keep pointing those fingers at each other. What are we going to do about it? So now if you have a you've got all of this footage from like body cameras and you're now able to analyze the level of respect and professionalism. What you're now able to do is kind of be a bit laser focused, like perhaps like the, perhaps as communities overhauling entire police departments and the way that countries police themselves, that's a big task. Like that is huge. But what we could possibly do is actually start by saying, okay, then within this department, what are the trends that we are actually seeing? Are we being respectful? Are we being professional? Are there individuals who maybe just aren't cut out for this job? Maybe there's individuals who are, they're exercising a certain degree of bias. Maybe the whole department doesn't need to go into like a racial training day, Mm -hmm. but there's actual individuals who might need, who could probably benefit from some one-to-one time to be a bit like, yo, you are speaking to this group of individuals this way and you can see the positive outcomes in terms of less tensions. Use that and speak to this group in a similar way so that you can ease these tensions. But this whole idea of just like labeling the police or labeling a department, it from what I'm seeing, mm-hmm. it doesn't really seem like it's being that effective in mm-hmm. terms of the change that we wish to see. Yep. And let's look at, just to be really clear with what Atkin's saying right now, if we use some of these linguistic analyses and just look at the respect scores, this actually becomes kind of actionable. So if you have somebody that's pulled over and they say, you know, all right, my man, do me a favor. Just keep your hands on that steering wheel real quick. Okay. 
that is a fairly low respect score. And what it does is it peels apart why. So one of it is calling somebody my man. That's really different from saying, sir. Yeah. Now you may not think it is, but what it's doing is saying you're under me and I have more power than you. So I'm going to use yep. an informal title. And then it's this one where you're like, just keep your hands on the steering wheel real quick. Okay. So that just is kind of like, um, I'm going to soften this because you can't handle it, but I'm also going to say hands on the wheel, which is like yep. basically what they say to black people, but not white people. Yep. And if you compare that to saying something like, there you go, ma'am, drive safe, please. That's a very respectful thing to say. And what they're able to disentangle is they're way more likely to use those negative respect, sort of disrespectful things with um, black people that they pull over. And that could be used in training. That could be uh, used to identify who is actually causing the problems. And so, again, I don't want to go, at least yet, into policy implications, but I do think it's really fair to say that these are very operational things because the words that the officers choose reveals how they feel about the people. And one of the things I just need to point out, because I know our listeners are really intelligent, it's not as though black people are expecting an interaction and therefore become very irate and sort of cause the problem. As Akin said, the police officers are doing most of the speaking. And number two, this is happening in the first 5% of the interaction. In the initial 5%, say you get pulled over and you have like a 10-minute interaction, this is like the first four minutes. Nothing's happened yet. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing's happened yet. All we had is the police approaches and says some shit, and what they're saying is inflammatory and not respectful. If you're black, but much more so if you're white. And so um, you know, these are just the facts. And I think that it's very actionable to address the facts as opposed to saying, well, we don't know which side it's on. It's like, yeah, we do. It's here. Which is, and and yeah. just to, to jump on that as well, like, um, so to, to lift some wording from the, uh, the paper, there's a line in it in which it reads, officer utterances were also higher in respect when spoken to older community members and when a citation was issued. And I bring this up explicitly because then this is me just using my own noggin. Mm. It seems to me that what's happening here is the lower the level of presumed threat, there seems to be a higher level of respect. So when, when the officers seem to witness, witness or believe that, okay, this is an older member of commun- of the community. So I would assume that, and this is me, if I try to empathize with being a police officer, like I imagine many days are a bit kind of like, you know, slow in the sense of what we see on the television, like the movie Die Hard. That's not an accurate representation of what the average police officer's day is like. Most of the time, it's probably you and your mate driving around looking for trouble. And then every time you get a call on your like, you know, your your police radio, it's never like, yo, man, there's pizza at the department and the community are like throwing a surprise party for us. Get over here. It's like, yo, this dude's got aggressive with that dude. Yo, um, there's a violence over here. There's a there's a disruption, disturbance over there. So you're you're spending most of your day in this high state of stress, where every time you get a call, it's very likely going to be yo. You guys got to go sort out some some trouble, essentially. So for for police and and this is my kind of like assumptions now of what's going on here. Police have got this. They seem to have this in their in their in their heads that 
black people are more likely to be a threat to them. I don't know where this kind of like understanding comes from. So I can't really peel back like the science of it, but it seems that when there seems to be a stop in which they don't presume the individual they're stopping to be a threat, they get to that respect place a lot quicker. And there's a, a bit lot of an quicker. assumption in there, but I see exactly what you're saying. We, we don't know if that's what's happening, but it could yeah. be that the cause of both of those results is this built-in bias around those ones are going to be trouble, so yeah. I have to sort of use less respect, and yeah. those ones are going to be fine, so I can use more respect. We don't know that based on the data, but here's what we do know. And again, this is just a direct quote. Um, if you're a white community member, the data show you are 57% more likely to hear an officer say one of the most respectful uh, things, which is like, you know, there you are, ma'am, or there you are, sir. Whereas the black community members are 61% more likely to hear an officer say one of the least respectful utterances, like, my man, keep your hands on the steering wheel. And you know, th- th- those are just the facts. And I think that that is substantial. That is significant statistically. And it would, across millions and millions and millions of these stops, it would start to leach into society that A, if you're black, you can't really trust that you'll get fair treatment. Yep. And B, we don't like the police. They yeah. don't treat us fairly. Yep. I think that, um, that's very substantiated with a study like this in a way, as you were saying a little while ago, Akin, in a way that just pointing fingers is never going to get us to. And uh, there's a couple other things I want to say here. We're kind of probably near wrap-up time we, here. We are, yeah, we are. So, uh, there's a couple other things I wanted to throw in. Is there anything else that you sort of felt like you <laughs> needed to get in here before we... <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> it's yeah, a hot yeah, like, topic. <laughs> it's... it's um. It's a hot topic. And you know what, actually, what, what I want to, what I want to kind of like jump in before I hand over to you, Dan. And very often when we, when Dan and I squeeze these papers, it, it's very often about like a specific thing. So the previous episode was about, you know, individuals like women with breast cancer and how kind of like self affirming writing can, can help them with like cancer treatment, basically. Um, and this one seems to be about the relationship between the police and citizens. And my, I guess my, my big takeaway from this seems to be, it seems to be along the lines of, yes, we're talking about police and citizens. However, at an individual level, there seems to be some solid takeaways that about how we interact with each other. And it seems to me that we can point the finger and look at police and the black community and be a bit like, Oh my God, look how tense and terrible this is. However, I seem to be learning from this paper that when I, as an individual, I'm interacting with anyone. If I can give them respect mm. is very likely going to significantly improve like that's the, great. the trust that's a really good- and the relationship and the, the interaction that I have with that individual. And if two people can meet each other at a place of respect, this seems to be more helpful than who's right or who's wrong, or even the formality. Like it seems to be more valuable Mm -hmm. to be Mm -hmm. respectful than it does to be professional. And I think this applies to everyone. I know there's a serious issue, which we're talking about, but this seems just relevant for everyone. Great. Okay. That's really useful. 
I'm, I'm glad that you said that because it, it, that is, goes way beyond traffic stops. <laughs> that's, <laughs> right? that's a way of living. That's a way of making the world a better place. Um, uh, the thing that I wanted to end with were just a couple of thoughts about um, just to make sure that there, if you are statisticians out there and you haven't read this and you don't plan to, one more way to squeeze this orange for you is just to say that officer race did not contribute. It didn't matter if the officer was white or black. They acted this way. The offense severity was not predictive of respect levels and did not substantially change the results. When they reran all of the analyses and they just pulled everything that did not involve arrest or searches, they basically found identical results. Um, there was a normal distribution uh, for uh, regardless of races. Uh, that's about the only stuff I want to put here. I just want you to know yeah. that it's really careful science. And the last thing that I want to say before we kind of roll off is I just find it ironic that the current administration in the United States literally is still saying, literally, as of yesterday, saying there ain't a problem here. There's not systematic bias. So literally ignoring science and facts. Whereas on Friday, Barack Obama tweeted that um, for millions of black, this is a quote, for millions of black Americans being treated differently by the criminal justice system on account of race is tragically painful, maddeningly normal. And that's what this study basically shows. It means with these normal routine, millions and millions of these things going on every single year, it's just normal that black people have come to expect they're not going to be respected. And so that's, that's kind of what I wanted to end on is um, science can help show what's really going on and not the wishful thinking of people that have an incentive to keep things the way they were. Mm. Man, this is like, this is, this is a juicy paper and it's also not the lengthiest of reads. Um, uh, they, they do, they, they show a lot of the science in this one, but they did the kind favor of kind of separating the content from a lot of the tables and the charts. So I guess I say that to say the, the title of this paper is going to be in the description of like, you know, your podcast app or if you're watching us on YouTube. This one, I, you, could, you can get through this in like an hour or two in terms of just like a casual read. And there's a lot of gems here, which I think will help in terms of how we are interacting with one another. But also, you know, if you're in your workplace, with your family, with your friends, um, you know, do you have the power when you are stopped by the police to inject a bit of respect, which might, you know, might be reciprocated by them, might do, may, might not. I'm about to go off on like a long, big rant and I'm going to really, really try to avoid that listeners thank you very much for rocking with squeezing the orange dan and i are having so much fun putting these together we enjoy reading the studies and we just we love talking them through as well it's, it's helping us and we sincerely hope that it is helping yourselves as well even if it's one or two little gems that you get from each episode we sincerely hope that it's helping put some new ideas uh, about how this this counterintuitive way that we're thinking if we can kind of combat that a bit more towards some positive behaviors in our in our lives so with that said some positive things that you can do for squeezing the orange is if you are on itunes please drop us a five-star review um, if you see us post this on on linkedin on on uh, where else are we we're on twitter as well like hit hit, re, hit, hit retweet if you know someone who might benefit from some of these episodes give it a share as well. We have a previous episode, which was on about like the, the color black. 
and you know the influence mm-hmm. that it had in terms of refereeing decisions. This was just like with like individuals wearing like black uniforms and the the implications of that. So if you like this episode, um, I, I will, really wish I knew the title of it so I'd make it easier for you to find. But it's but in there. Through, Look at them all. There. Dig, yeah, dig. For, yeah, <laughs> listen to them all. But it's it's also adding further layers to the complexity. Of, uh, of these um, these race things, and I think this might be this might be. Is there anything else that I shout out, Dan? I think that's about it. I think we often say "ciao." Yeah, yeah, yeah. We say <laughs> enjoy the rest of your lives. <laughs> ciao. All right.